Well, hello everyone. This is Tommy, World at Work Comics. I am the creator and writer of Kingsville. We have a Kickstarter right now. Please go check it out. Go to Kickstarter, type in Kingsville. It'll pop right up. We would love your support. This is our issue number two. Issue one was such a great success at the beginning of the year. We just finished issue two and now we have a Kickstarter. So get out there and support us. We would really appreciate that. Um, also, I wanted to go over a couple of our sponsors of our podcast. One is CN Chili's. That's C-I-E-N-C-H-I-L. LES.com, the best hot sauce you will buy, I promise you. And if you go to cnchilies.com and you put comics in checkout, you're going to save 15% off your entire order. Um, so that's even more than free shipping. Um, and then our uh, good friends over at Comic Crusaders, uh, man, the best comic book reviews, movie reviews, um, all that good stuff. Go to Comic Crusaders today, check them out. Um, I follow them. That's where I find out which comics are going to be the best. Um, so go to Comic Crusaders today. All right, without further ado, I'm so excited to be able to meet this person and talk to them. That is none other than Chuck Dixon, one of the top writers in comic book history. Obviously, his run on um, Batman um, or Detective Comics, Nightfall. Um, he is the co-creator with Graham Nolan of Bane. Here is Bane number one. They're signed by both of those gentlemen. Um, yeah, Chuck Dixon on the show. We're going to talk about everything that's going on in comics today, including his time at DC and Marvel and everything that he's working on right now. All right, without further ado, here is Chuck Dixon and I. Thanks, everybody. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to World at War Comics. Today, I don't know what kind of introduction you make for someone like Chuck Dixon, writer extraordinaire. Um, man, we'll get into it, but you have written so many titles. It's absolutely incredible to have that kind of work that has been done over your life, Chuck. But uh, man, very impressive. How are you doing today, by the way? Doing pretty good. I'm getting over a little bit of flu, okay. so, uh, but, but I'm good. I'm on the mend. Good, good. Yeah, something's going around. My wife had it uh, a couple of days yeah. ago. So yeah, it's that time of year, right? We get to the winter and we'll see what yeah. happens. Hopefully it's not yeah, too I Joe, I Joe Rogan up with enough supplements I rattle. So <laughs> uh, I'm getting over it. There you go, man. Little alpha brain. I see that commercial, I don't know how many times a day um, with Joe Rogan. So um, <laughs> I'm glad you're, you're doing better. Um, again, yeah. thank you for joining today. I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, the one thing that I've, I've heard through all the other interviews that you've done is uh, growing up the time that you spent in the hospital. And, and the reason why I, I really relate to that is I also grew up with a, a hip disease. So I've had about 20 surgeries and I spent a long time from seven years old up in the hospital. And as a writer, I wanted to ask you, um, going through that as a young person, how much have that kind of built the foundation for the creativity that's needed to be a writer? Well, I, I think it's sort of, you know, because I spent so much time in the hospital as a kid um, and away from school and away yeah. from the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. uh, I always felt like kind of an outsider everywhere okay. I was, you know, which turned me more into an observer than a mm -hmm. participant which I think every writer is. Yeah. So um, I think every kid goes to a period where they feel like an outsider, but mine was kind of official, official, yeah. you know, basically being in exile. I mean, I only had 31 days of first grade. Oh, wow. I was only allowed to graduate because um, I read comics. So my reading ability was, you know, like sixth grade level in first grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where you were kind of exposed to comics for the first time, or did you start reading them before that? 
Um, I don't remember when I first saw comics. I mean, my 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 hospitalizations began basically from infancy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, throughout up until I was seven years old, and uh, I mean, I mean, spent all those years in the hospital, but yeah. frequent long stays in the hospital, and yeah. uh, comics were, you know, a great distraction. And people would bring you comics. I mean, I remember going to the drugstore with my dad before he being admitted each time we'd go to the drugstore the evening before and he said pick out some comic books to take with you nice and, um, i would end up reading comic books to the other kids in the ward who who weren't old enough to read oh wow uh, so um i was totally immersed in them i just love the medium yeah. um you know it just became part of my dna yeah do you remember what your favorite title to pick up before a hospital stay was uh, Spider-Man. I mean, this is like early days. I mean, I vividly remember buying Spider-Man number four at the oh, wow. drugstore. So, do you happen to still have that? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, exactly. I still have my Fantastic Four number five from oh, back that's then. pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, I mean, um, you know, all that time. When did you really? gain kind of a passion for writing, right? So reading is one thing but to be able to put your thoughts on paper. Do you remember, um, was it in grade school, middle school when you really thought, man, I could really tell a good story? Well, in grade school, I, um, I was drawing my own comics and of course I had to write them, you know, yeah. come up with stories mm -hmm. and, and they were for my own amusement. I really didn't think about an audience until, um, we were given an assignment by a teacher. I think it was like fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And um, she went around the room with a box full of clippings of photographs and illustrations from she cut out of magazines mm -hmm. and said, pick a picture out of the box and write a story about it. And I said, well, can I have more than one picture? And she said, sure. <laughs> so it's like five of them. Yeah. And I strung a story together with these five pictures. Yeah. And we had to read it in front of the class. Mm -hmm. And I read mine and I got laughs. Really? Okay, I think this is what I want to do. <laughs> so I had enough, you know, I always say that a, a writer needs confidence and ignorance to succeed. Yeah. So by sixth grade, I volunteered to write our class play. Oh, wow. Uh, we would usually pick them out of a catalog, but I said, you know, I think I might be able to write something better than that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Especially at sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, you know, growing up, um, obviously before cell phones and, and everything that uh, my kids have grown up with, you know, comic books meant a lot. Saturday morning cartoons were huge for me. Riding my bike to the local comic book store, I was very fortunate to have a comic book store just a few blocks away. So even in like fifth and sixth grade, me and friends could ride up there and, you know, we would mow lawns and save money and pick up some comic books. I feel like that's lost now. I, I don't know if you kind of feel the same thing. I don't think kids are growing up with comic books. I think they're coming in as they become maybe a teenager. Um, at least at my comic book store, I see a lot of, you know, late teens, early 20s getting into it for the first time, but they didn't grow up in it. You, you kind of experience the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, kids aren't exposed to comics the way they were when I was a kid. I mean, comics were everywhere. If you went to the barbershop, there yeah. was a pile of comics. Yeah, uh, my dad used to bring home bundles of comics from the farmers market. Just a bundle of comics tied with twine, <laughs> and just drop them on the floor, you know. Yeah. And um, so there were constantly comics around. Yeah, and I think that's why we see the the explosion of manga. Yeah, because that's the comics they see. Yeah, yeah. That's what they're, they're readily to. available too, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think the medium still excites, obviously. 
yeah the exactly. sites um but you know you're the, the the big two publishers they don't get in front of the audience i mean yeah. even even when dc did that walmart deal they mm-hmm. stuck them in the collectibles aisle yeah <laughs> and i don't even know where the hell that is at my local walmart yeah exactly yeah yeah um well because i'm a big collector i do know where it is but i yeah. I'm, I'm one of the only ones that walks down that aisle it's usually like in, where they sell printers and stuff like that so you're not going to get an average you know young person experiencing dc at walmart if they're placed in the collectible section it's just not going to happen right um, yeah 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 i mean it, it's very difficult to find comics outside of a comic book store obviously you have your graphic novel novels at like a barnes and noble but they're not readily available like they were um, growing up. And even when I um, was young, right, like my dad would go to his local, you know, like a CVS or whatever it was called at that time. And there would be a spinner right. rack. Spinner racks were almost gone when I grew up. So this is like in the 80s. So even by the 80s, at least in Southern California, where I grew up, you didn't see very many spinner racks. So you, you still had to go to a comic book store. But because we didn't, we weren't in front of our laptop or iPad all day long, I mean... You had Saturday morning cartoons for two hours, and then you're like, "Let's get our bike and go find the GI Joe comic book that right. related to the the um, cartoon that I just got done watching." That doesn't happen anymore. No. Yeah, yeah, and it's no, kind, of, kind of they, they skipped a couple of generations of readers, and yeah. comics need new readers. They, yeah. They, we, yeah. They, the whole business is based on a, a turner turnover of readership. Yeah. You know, every 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 few years, and that hasn't happened in decades. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, uh, you know, a news was just announced by I think it was DC that they are going to take some of their titles and they actually have I have a couple over here um, and they're going to put them in like that manga form, the black and white art where you read it from right to left. Um, You think that will have any impact on uh, new readers maybe getting in? No, no, I think that it's too late. A lot of the stuff they're talking about, it's too late now. Okay. because even when they announce something that's worthy, which is rare, mm-hmm. like they're they're bringing back Dan Jurgens and Jerry Ordway for a run on Superman, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, if I wasn't following Dan Jurgens on X, I wouldn't know about it. Yeah, um, and also, as much as I love Dan and Jerry, um, what what young reader even knows who they are? Yeah. Who yeah. cares? I mean, um, whereas if they had kept introducing new readers, yeah. They would know who they were, and so it's kind of meaningless. It's all too little, too late. Yeah, yeah. And and reformatting. I've seen the reformatting, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, are they hoping they'll mistakenly be put in with the mangas? Uh, yeah, because yeah. if they're just stuck in the graphic novel uh, aisle, that idea is dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think they need to do a um, a look at manga periodicals, mm, like Shonen okay. Jump, things like that. And yeah. do something like that and get in the periodical aisle and make it look like a period, make it, you know, hey kids comics. Yeah. Fat telephone book and get into the periodical section and get into the newsstands at, you know, supermarkets and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I the, the, even the trade dress on the things they're doing, it just looks dull. Yeah. 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 I know. Well, I mean, you know, as a fan of, of comics, man, I, I hope we, we have a long future still. Well, the, the medium isn't going anywhere. The yeah. medium's still going strong. It's just yeah. the big two, they're yeah. tanking it. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I feel like uh, from an independent standpoint, there is a lot to choose from with specifically with Kickstarter, Indiegogo, uh, all the different ones. There's so many now. It's hard to keep up right. with. Zoop, I think, is a new one that just came out. But there's a lot of really good stuff. And what I find here and where I live now near Palm Springs, we have a, a comic book store, which I'm very fortunate to have. And uh, I find probably... 40% of my comics that I purchase are, are independent. But then after I'm done at my local comic book store, I come back and I'll go through like Kickstarter and Indiegogo and I'll utilize that as like my second local comic book store just to pick up really cool titles from independent creators. I'm wondering if a lot of others aren't doing the same thing. Well, looking at the numbers, yeah, they are. I yeah. mean, um, you know, I mean, I'm obviously friends with and work with a lot of people in the crowdfunding arena. Yeah, yeah. They're starting to do serious numbers. These yeah. are not boutique items anymore. These are, you know, if if crowdfunding projects were on the board with the rest of the publishers, they, they'd have a pretty big market share right now. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point, right? Because we get the the top 50 comics every single month. And and you do see some of those numbers, right? They don't look great compared to like just even three years ago. But yeah. within that, you don't have Kickstarter, Indiegogo and all that uh, crowdfunding that's going on. So to your point, that's a good point, Chuck. I think if those were added, I think comic books are probably in better shape than most people think, right? Well, yeah. And, and if you look at m manga and book trade, I mean... Yeah. Um, there's a lot of comics being sold. They're just not Marvel and DC. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Marvel and DC are down to, I believe, 9% of the market share, which is unthinkable. Yeah. And, you know, nobody saw this day coming. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not just manga, it's book trade. I mean, it's Dan Pilkey and guys like that are, are kicking Batman and Spider-Man's ass. Yeah. <laughs> which, oh, it hurts when you say that. Uh, yeah, but it does, doesn't it? <laughs> it? Oh, man. It's true, though. It's true. But, but the thing is, is that because all those new readers are coming in, you know, Dan Pilkey and who else does yeah. those, you know, graphic novels for kids and the manga and everything else, this should have been a heyday for Marvel and DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because, you know, they, they should have been in the fight, but they're not they're not even in the fight. They're not even in the ring. They're not even in the arena anymore. Yeah, yeah, man, that's that's hard pill to swallow for sure. Um, I mean, you look at um, just Alpha Core, right? I was. Um, following you on twitter and i, I think would you get to 1.2 million dollars something close to that or was it yeah. more well yeah we're heading to 1.2 it's crazy man so, it is it is <laughs> yeah. I, i'm just i'm just happy because you know i think eric thought oh i'm bringing you in it's going to be huge and i'm like eh, a lot of your audience doesn't know who i am you know they're they're, they're following you buddy not me <laughs> and i thought wow this could fall flat on its face but it didn't because you know eric's got the charm man he he pushed yeah. me and and everything else so we're doing very well i yeah it'd be interesting to see what percent of eric's followers know who chuck dixon is yeah. i have to believe though it's a larger percent than maybe you're thinking chuck because when i saw them like no freaking way chuck dixon is writing a comic book for ripovers and <laughs> sure enough man here you are i mean what a what a success story too man yeah yeah i mean uh he he put the he put the work in i mean when i first contacted him i contacted him out of blue because I, I saw him on some videos i like what he had to say yeah and i said look I, i've seen a lot of comic companies companies come and go yeah and i know all the mistakes that can be made yeah, uh, yeah. if you ever need any advice feel free to contact me. yeah uh, but he never needed my advice because he did his homework 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think just between the three titles that have been out, it's close to six million dollars that have been raised. And, and a lot of copies move. That's the most important yeah, thing. Exactly. Sells a Good lot point. of comics. Yeah. And they're not just comics, they're trade paperbacks. Everyone's a trade paperback. Yeah, they're huge. Still trade paperback numbers that beat a lot of DC and Marvel's, you know, pamphlets. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's crazy. You know, the the other thing that's come up, and I'm, I'm sure you've been watching, you know, um, Mark Millar had uh, this gentleman, Glenn, on his show, um, and he had this little 60-second clip, which is part of his regular YouTube channel. So if you, and I follow Glenn um, because I think he's pretty funny. I have no idea what that is. Do you see that? <laughs> <laughs> you said something that pleased the system. Oh, my God. I have to figure this out, uh, Chuck. It's embarrassing. But uh, our, our, our tech overlords. Are happy. <laughs> that was weird. That's the first I've seen that one. But uh, um, yeah, you know, Glenn had this, I think, 45 50 minute uh, YouTube uh, video that he does on a regular basis um, in his shop. And he had a 60 second clip where he talked about what he feels is going on within the big two. And then, you know, obviously that went crazy over uh, Twitter or X now it's called. And then, uh, I mean, people just, I think he had a lot of support, but the the people that didn't support him were just outright mean. I mean, they were vicious to this guy. I don't want to hear the truth. What's that? They don't want to hear the truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I, I think that's probably a lot of it too. Yeah, I agree, Chuck. But then yeah. you know, Mark brought him on and had a larger conversation about everything that went on. And now, uh, Mark is about to. They're trying to cancel him, which I don't think he's cancelable because no. he's successful. I mean, what are you going to do, to this guy? The most successful comic book creator currently going. I mean, by far. And he doesn't even need to do comics. I mean, he's doing it out of pure passion um, right. or the love for comics, right? Because uh, he's, I think he's doing pretty good with uh, Miller World and Netflix. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he could move to a tropical island and never hear from any of us again. So. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and God bless him for it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I look at what's going on and, and I, I do think that it's, it's hit a peak. And I think we're going to start to come back from this just killing each other on X and stuff because of our differences. Do you think this will be ratified anytime soon between these two factions of left and right and everything in between? Um, I don't think it needs to be, you know, I, it's such a small vocal minority yeah, that good. have driven this business into the ditch mm. that we just have to recognize. And we already have as, yeah. as fans, I'm, I'm talking as fans, We've already realized our power. It's yeah. crowdfunding. Yeah. yeah exactly. We've already moved the needle. Yeah. We've already marched away to a different place mm-hmm. and said, look, we don't like what you're doing. So we're going to set up over here. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to, because what does crowdfunding do beyond the pejorative of comics gate, all that other crap? Yeah. Crowdfunding serves an underserved uh, comic book reading populace. Yeah. Very much so. In addition, it employs a bunch of underemployed comic book pros. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we talk about independent creators. Uh, you're talking about guys who formerly were the big guns at, yeah, yeah. At, at Marvel and DC. These aren't guys who sprang up out of nowhere. I mean, right. This is Graham Nolan, Brian Polito, Billy Tucci, Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah. You know, the guys I'm working with, I and mean, Joe Bennett. I'm working with Joe Bennett. Which I never would have gotten to work with Joe Bennett at Marvel. Amazing. But because they pissed all over him. Yeah. And he got tired of it. You know, um, he, we're working together, man. We're loving it. We're, yeah. we're like brothers from another mother. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, it's never going to be ratified because we, our side's already won. Yeah, yeah, and and there's and there's so few of them, and I think everybody realizes this now. Yeah, because I, I hate it when they say this is controversial, because two or three people with a website hate it does not make it a controversy. I agree with the rest that. of us love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just it, it pain. I do. I just love comics, right? I, I purposely stay away from politics and all that other stuff because. That's not why I'm in comics. I'm in comics because I love the medium. I love the storytelling. I love the writing. I love the art. Um, I obviously spend a lot of money on collections that are related to those type of things. And I just want to be with people who love it the same way. And then all of a sudden you see something like this and I just back off way away. I don't want any part of it, but you just wonder like how much longer is this kind of stupid stuff going to go on? Because I don't think it benefits anybody, even those that are trying to cancel. I mean, how does that benefit them? Well, you know, I don't know. It feeds some sort of emptiness inside of them to see someone else ruined. I mean, as far as politics go, I never cared about politics and comics. I didn't care about the politics people I was working with. I didn't want yeah. them to care about mine because yeah. my work wasn't about politics. My work was escapist fiction. Yeah. My work was so that you could read and forget all that crap. Me too. That's so why I comics were a brotherhood. We all thought Batman was cool. We all thought Spider-Man was cool. We all yeah. thought Conan the Barbarian was a badass. I mean, that's all we needed to be together. Didn't yeah. matter who you voted for, who cared. Yeah. And now they're after Mark Millar, who quite frankly means he was raised by communists. Yeah. I mean, Mark Millar is one of them. <laughs> yeah. Theoretically. He's very left, uh left leaning, I but, think it's but, but because he's principled, yeah, and, and open-minded and yeah. has his own ideas and is willing to see the truth for the truth. Yeah. You know, he's got to get they got to get rid of him. Yeah. And it's never going to work. Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody with any common sense who reads Mark Miller, Miller's work goes, you know, what are they talking about? Yeah. yeah. You know, and same and same with me. I mean, you know, it, I was blacklisted, red listed, um, all the rest of it out of yeah. out of regular comics. Yeah. Uh, it didn't stop me. And, and readers didn't care. Yeah. Because I didn't put it in the work. Yeah, you, know, you can think whatever you want. I mean, I might bring up an issue, yeah, but I'll tell you what to think about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I, I don't see the harm in that. <laughs> that's not, I think that's the the thing is like who who's really getting hurt by someone's opinion, um, and that's kind of what drives me crazy. But uh, especially a private opinion expressed over a business lunch. Exactly. Yeah. Now, exactly. If it's in the book, yeah. it's in the comic. We have your superheroes spouting. You know, I don't care if it's far right or far left. Yeah, you know, uh, ideology. First yeah. of all, it's boring. Yeah, and secondly, it's not true to the character you're writing. Exactly. I mean, I used to write Batman's impassioned screeds against gun ownership. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a lifelong NRA member. I've owned the gun since I was five. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but that's not Batman. I don't want I don't want Batman to say what I would say. He exactly. has to say what he would say. Yeah, yeah, good point. That's a really good point, and I think that's what's kind of missing. Um, and some of these, uh, you know, 60, 70, 80 year characters. And, and I think that's why so many people have been pushed kind of to the indie comics. It's just because it doesn't, it's not that attractive anymore. No, and with the indie comics, you're usually dealing with the original creator. And of course, he's going to be passionate. He's going to be true to his own characters, his own creations. He's not going to suddenly mm -hmm. have his characters, you know, wetting their pants or changing their gender or something like yeah. that because, yeah. he's, you know, he or she has no interest in that. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas these tourists traveling through the business now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they want they want something on their resume when they go to uh, apply for a job at MTV. Right. So 
they'll burn the place down to make a name for themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know what's great about indie comics too, um, Chuck, is if if you do have those those feelings um, for gender, whatever that might be, indie is a perfect place to create those stories. Uh, yeah, you know what I, I mean, it's it's there's no rules in indie comics. It's your creation. You could create if it's that important to you. Which I'm all about diversity, diversity of thought. I think those need to exist because there is a market somewhere for those and create right. an indie scene and through crowdfunding, all that other stuff, it could be extremely successful for you too. But to take a, a Batman or something like that and kind of force feed those kind of thoughts through there when it doesn't match the character, that's where I think you lo- lose a lot of fans because they know who Batman is and they know Batman wouldn't bring up these kind of topics or it wouldn't be an issue with Batman. Right. Yeah. But they, they don't play on an independent space. They don't create their own characters. Because yeah. first of all, most of them don't have the craft necessary yeah. to create a character, yeah. and secondly, they really need to play off of something that's already successful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they can't make something successful on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's that's the sad part, and that's the saddest thing for fans. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I mean, I'm still a comics fan. I don't like seeing these characters destroyed. Yeah, uh, on some altar of, you know, somebody's anybody's ideology. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, very true. Very true. Well, we'll see what uh, happens. I, I do think um, with Mark Lar <laughs> coming out and standing up for Glenn and then him, I mean, he's uncancelable, right? So anybody going after him, he just kind of moves on, right? He doesn't even really talk too much about um, that. I think that is so healthy because it, yeah. if I could squash that, I think we could get back to just loving comics as a comic community, I hope. Well, I mean, the, the best way to resist cancellation is to ignore it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, once you start addressing it, then you've given them the power. You've yeah. given them the whip hand. And and uh, Miller's just sort of ignoring it. I mean, why would he pay any attention to it? It's not yeah. worth addressing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I just, you know, I, I like to think of myself somewhere in the middle, but uh Man, I, I could pick up ISOM and I absolutely love this comic book, right? I could pick up Alpha Core, but then I, I also love um, Local Man by Tim Seeley. And I don't know his politics, but I'm assuming he's a little bit more left leaning. I'm okay with all of that. I just right. I just want to read a really good comic book. And both are, I think, are really good for me as a fan. And I, I purchased both of them because I really enjoy them. And that's, that's what I, I think comics should really be all about. I don't care what your politics are. Yeah, if it's well crafted, I don't really even think about yeah exactly what, what the person's point of view and even if it's apparent from the kind of story they're telling that yeah. maybe they don't maybe we don't vote for the same people yeah uh, as long as the story's entertaining i don't care me too yeah exactly exactly yeah well um yeah we'll see what happens chuck i'm not sure <laughs> sure but uh but but, yeah. but the thing is i i remain optimistic i i yeah. i comics aren't going anywhere yeah. There's no, we're not facing ruination just because there's DC and, and Marvel can't seem to make it to the end zone anymore. Yeah. Uh, if anything, this is a more exciting time than than even the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you say that, Chuck, I trust you, man. No, no, absolutely. Comics are not. As long as as long as there's a kid somewhere, yeah, you know, drawing superheroes at a dining room table, uh, yeah. there's going to be comics. Very good. Very good. That's good to hear. That's 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 encouraging. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to really quick uh, talk to you about Conan um, because I know you had a really nice run on uh, Conan, um, but uh, I don't know how often are you like reading 
other uh, indie comics or comics out there? Or are you just really busy kind of writing and creating on your own? I, I you know, I try to keep up with stuff. Yeah. Um, and because we're like in the golden age of reprints, I'm getting to read stuff I never thought I'd ever get to see. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I read a lot of comics. Um, yeah, yeah. Not a whole lot of current stuff. Okay, yeah. Mostly because I'm. They used to send comps. They don't. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not about to go into the comic shop and buy any comics. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I I have like an online subscription service I use to pick up. You know, so I can look see what's coming up in Diamond previews. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm you know I buy comics from Europe. You know, I I still have a great desire to be surrounded by comic books all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I bring up Conan because you had such an amazing run. And, you know, Titan um, Comics um, now has the rights to Conan. And they right. have Savage Sword coming out in February of next year, year, which you wrote on for a long time. And then right now there's a current um, Conan the Barbarian. And I only bring it up because I this is from Jim Zub. I don't know if you're familiar with Jim. No, I'm not. I've heard the name, but I'm not familiar Oh my gosh, it's so good, Chuck. Yeah. And it reminds me of just an old school, super graphic, super like get out of my way, your head's gonna come, kind of come off type Conan. And I've just been in love with it. And I just wanted to know if you know you being on titles like Conan or other titles, do you kind of see what's being done to those titles now? Who's writing them? And do you kind of take an interest or you just have moved on and you're doing your own thing? I, I keep an eye on it. I mean, okay. Uh... I saw a little bit of what Marvel was doing with the character and, and it kind of explains why they took it away from them. Yeah. Um, and then um, I, I have more faith that Titan will do a good job. Yeah. Uh, I've also kept track of uh, Glenna and France doing their public domain versions. I know yes. some of them are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know they reprint them here in the United States, but they reprint them in the smaller comic book size, not the big. Okay. Big, European album size was really impressive. Yeah, those giant magazine ones. <laughs> oh man, it was just gorgeous. I mean, yeah. when you shut them down, you lose a lot. Yeah. And, um, so I've been checking all that stuff out. And of course, I, I've written a couple of Conan novels recently. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love Conan. I'll never stop loving Conan. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the first like prose stuff I really got into when I was a teenager. Yeah. When you look back at your career, and I mean, there's so many titles, The Punisher. I mean, you have so many titles on both Marvel and DC. Is there a series that you were writing for that you felt that if given the opportunity, you had a lot more to say about that character? Or do you feel like when you ended, you completed what you wanted out of that character? Well, I, I still think of Punisher stories. I mean, Punisher is such a reactive character. Mm. That you know, particularly now with like the rising crime rate and some of the outrageous levels of crime we see mm. in New York City and other areas. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to think of Punisher stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. the Punisher would have been right here. He would have been in the middle of all this. I mean, Punisher would be in Ukraine now. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know uh, Punisher would be in Gaza City right now. <laughs> right. Uh, wherever wherever the crap hits the fan, the Punisher would be there. So he's the only character I still think of stories for, yeah. even though I don't I don't I don't write the character anymore. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, well, <laughs> we could get into it, but I think Marvel is not aligned with that kind of thought. I mean, no, no. They hate the and now they have a whole completely new, which is yeah. funny is because the, the background story for the new character that replaced Frank Castle is very similar to Frank Castle's background. So I'm not sure why they went through all that to begin with, with Jason Aaron, um, 
giving Frank Castle powers. And then I don't know if you're aware of all this, but then. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, it was all um, it was all highly political. I mean, they yeah. didn't like the Punisher symbol being used by the military and police. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't like the people who liked the Punisher. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they actively hated the readership that liked the Punisher. And so they weren't going to give them the Punisher they wanted. Yeah. Now they've gotten rid of Frank Castle in a way that's unprecedented in right. the history of publishing is to take one of your, you know, valuable characters and utterly destroy them and yeah. dishonor them and erase them from your continuity. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it and no one ever has. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's shameful. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but they haven't liked the Punisher for a long time. And I always argue that he really wasn't a good fit at Marvel anyway as a character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be amazing for that to go to the public domain and then allow a lot of other people to kind of create for that character. I don't, that will never happen because, no, that, no. Yeah, but it would be awesome. It would, even if they were to license it, which they won't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you think for sure they just want that to go away. It's a yes. black spot in their history. Yeah, I think they see it as an embarrassment. Okay. You know, basically, the Spider-Man villain became a hero. And yeah, I, I always compare it to Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker on All in the Family was supposed to be a character that the viewers hated, yeah. uh, but they didn't. They fell in love with him, <laughs> you know, because he was like the only character on TV, whether you liked what he was saying yeah. or didn't like what he was saying, was saying outrageous stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You, know, you could go, oh, man, that sounds just like my Uncle Dave or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I remember as a kid sitting with my dad and watching him watch it and just he would be laughing and laughing. So yeah. Yeah, and they were laughing with Archie, not at Archie. And that yeah. was that's what stunned CBS. So yeah. I kind of had to change their whole thinking about that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's too much, man. I, I don't know. Um, I wanted to also ask you as a, a writer. Um, can you kind of talk about that relationship between writer and artist and how important that is in order for a story to be brought forth? Well, um, it kind of, the relationship kind of depends on the artist. Um, okay. and I don't mean personalities or anything else, but yeah, some artists want to get involved uh-huh. in the collaborative process and some are just like, oh, I'll just draw what's written. Okay. Um, yeah. and I'm fine either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if an artist gets into it, yeah, um, it's flattering, you know, and I welcome it because the artist spends a lot more time with these stories than I do. Yeah, yeah. I can take 20 minutes to write a page. Uh, oh. They're going to spend the whole day drawing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're thinking. They're at that board thinking uh, um, while they're drawing it. What about this? What about that? Right. And I like hearing that back. Yeah. Um, I'm not one of these dictator writers who compare the script to the art and go, oh, you changed this and you changed that. Yeah. I look at the art and go, wow, it looks great. You know, and if it looks great, you, you made me look like a genius too. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, guys like uh, Frank Fosco and, well, and Graham, Nolan, yeah. uh, currently Joe Bennett. Joe Bennett, there's a lot of back and forth between he and I that I really, really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, it all depends. And then there's guys like, you know, I never talked to John Buscema once. We worked together a whole bunch of times. Yeah. And uh, boy, I was thrilled with all of it. And yeah. uh, Joe Kubert, I talked to a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. When we worked together, which was, whoa. I'm talking to Joe Kubert. Exactly. <laughs> talk Joe about Kubert has, has, has shaken my hand and called me friend. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, what a family, huh? 
seriously i mean it's like wow i, I idolized this guy when i was a kid yeah yeah i had his daughter uh, or not his daughter but i had emma on and she's a lot of fun too and uh Boy, it's incredible what that family has done for comics and, and the art, even with the school, right? The Kubert School. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, the impact that they've had on the, the industry has been pretty incredible. Joe was a true believer, man. He was all in. Yeah, yeah. Wait, amazing, huh? Um, the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about yeah. is, um, well, we kind of talked a little bit about the culture. Um, you We have Graham Nolan you had an amazing run with Graham on Batman. Um, do you still um, talk quite a bit? Or are you you guys oh, still- all the time? All the time, yeah. Yeah, we're both involved with this company called Spin Rack. It's a startup. Oh, okay. Doing digital comics and, and animation and stuff like that. It's all based on our intellectual property. Yeah. It's, um, it's not just it, we didn't. It's not. It's creator driven. It's creator owned. Uh-huh. So um, you know, so we're we're involved in a lot of really cool stuff coming up. But, you know, games, TV, film, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, we, we talk all the time, all yeah. the time. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we're going to do another. We're, we're After after Christmas, we're going to get serious about the next Joe Frankenstein installment. Nice. That would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, because I, I, you know, going back and forth, uh, he'll be on the show on Monday, actually. And oh, cool. so I was uh, super excited to have you on. I'm like, what the hell is my life right now, man, to have Chuck and then Graham on? <laughs> it's incredible. But, man, I love his uh, his work. Um, and I, I think any Batman fan looks back at Nightfall, and that's got to be, like, in the top five or top ten of Batman stories. Um, do you feel the same way? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, the, what Denny laid out for us at that yeah. first meeting was like, wow. I mean, yeah. I was at that meeting. I was doing Robin miniseries. I didn't even know why I was at that meeting. <laughs> so, and I'm like just sitting in the corner while yeah. he's talking. He's laying this Nightfall thing out. I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool. This is going to be so great. I can't wait to read this. Yeah. And and then at lunchtime, we broke for lunch, and he said, uh, Chuck, could you stay back? And I thought. Well, this is when they called me a cab and sent me home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't say anything all morning. And 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 he says, uh, "Do you want to take over, detective?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> to, to be part of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and and then I was in the mix, you know. And then eventually, I I got them to bring Graham in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as regular penciler. So. Yeah. And then I mean, Bane Bane comes forth from that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, basically, you know, we were tasked with creating this villain because we knew, Denny said we need a new villain. And uh, he has to be Batman's intellectual and superior, uh, intellectual and, and, and physical equal. And he's addicted to this venom drug. And that's all anybody knew. And for months, we called him Doc Toxic. We knew nothing about him. And I kept complaining, you know, we got to create this guy. He's got to be special. He's got to be big. He's the readers have to respond to him. And yeah. then he finally said, well, then go home and create him. Yeah. So That's I went home and called Graham because I knew he was going to be the artist doing him for the first time. And yeah, you know, we kicked it around and, and Bane was the result. Amazing. Amazing. How long uh was there back and forth before the, the final character that we all love came forth? Well, um Graham Graham put him in the Luchadora outfit, the Mexican wrestler yeah. outfit. And mm-hmm. the only change they wanted was his eyes and his mouth were exposed. Okay. And and they said, well, make the mask like more Spider-Man-ish, where we can't really see. Um, yeah. And then um, the other thing was naming him. Mm-hmm. And I I went to the Thesaurus. That's a great way to find names. I yeah. just looked up evil. 
And I'm like, what's a what's another word for evil? Yeah, it was Bane. I thought that's a pretty cool name, right? <laughs> so I called them the the Batman guys and I said, look, I want to call his character Bane. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, we hate that. Oh, that's <laughs> stupid. That's now remember this was the image era when you okay. know characters were named like you know Deathstalker, <laughs> Night Angel. That's right. Yeah. I did not want a name like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I said Bane, man. It's four letters. It's easy to remember. Logo will look cool. Yeah. Everything else, and they now nah, we hate it. We hate it. And uh, three days later, they're all calling him Bane. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, huh? The impact that that character's had all these years, too, has been absolutely incredible within that series and others, too. Yeah, I can't, I still can't get my head around it. You know, he's, he's some people's favorite comic book character. Well, every comic book character is somebody's favorite. Yeah, but, yeah, for but sure. So many people just, you know, they just love this. They love to hate him, you know, and uh, he's been so successful in every arena from games to Lego to action figures to everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at some of these action figures. I, I try to get them, especially from McFarland. I try to get them right away. And if yeah. you don't, some of the most expensive ones are Bane. Um, yes. If you miss that opportunity, boy, you're going to spend uh, $150 on that uh, figure down the road if you don't get it right away. Actually, yeah. um, so, I'm able to send an email. Can you send me one of them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they do. Sure they no issue. <laughs> They're very nice. Sideshow doesn't do that. but, but Really? But one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because I, I spend a lot of money with McFarland, and uh, it seems like Todd um, has a lot of respect for the history of comics and uh, for other creators. So I'm it's glad. It's a good outfit, and they got a lot of really good people working for him. So. Yeah, so I think so. So Chuck, I mean, we get into Alpha Core. Um, so we we saw a glimpse of Alpha Core in Isom One. <laughs> we get into uh, uh, you coming aboard, which was huge news, and then. Man, I mean, I feel like you were working on this for a while before anybody else kind of knew that you were, because for it to be this thick, I mean, I don't know how many pages, 80, 90 pages, something like that. Yeah. For that, for the the word to get out, for people to purchase it, and for it to get shipped out all in like a two-month time period. I mean, how long, how far in advance had you been working on this with Joe? I, I don't know when, I, it had to be like six to eight months ago, I started on it. And wow. Eric can keep a secret like nobody's business. That's good. That's I good. Mean, even when he announced it that I was coming on board, he didn't announce Joe for the longest time. Really? And I'm getting pestered emails, PMs, you know, <laughs> Facebook posts. Yeah. You know, who's drawing it? Who's drawing it? Who's drawing? It? I can't tell you. I can't yeah. tell you. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, and and Joe, you know, amazingly, for as detailed as pages are, he he turns the pages out on a regular basis. Uh <laughs> So, um, you know, it, it was a while in the works. I mean, it didn't take me long to write it. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Um, I mean, if this was like a five issue miniseries, which it ultimately that's what it amounts to, mm -hmm. uh, like a trade paperback of a five right. issue miniseries, you know, it would have taken me longer to write because it's, because it's one story. Yeah. I sort of push it like a feature film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think I wrote it in like two weeks. Wow. Uh, I just got into it. And, and every rip of verse thing has been like that. I just get into it and I'm lost. I'm just turning out pages. And, yeah. um, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm on my fourth rip of verse project now. I mean, Joe and I have a, a follow up to this. Mm -hmm. And then there's another project which connects to the larger rip of verse continuity. And then Joe and I are going to work on another character, a new character we created for them. 
So, no way. <laughs> so we're 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 deep into all this stuff, and I, I and I love it. But yeah, um, Eric does not announce anything until it's almost completely finished. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's good because I, I could tell you in the crowdfunding world, which I love. If there's one negative is backing someone in crowdfunding and then like nine months to a year later, a comic book shows up and I'm like, what is this for? And why am I getting right. this? I completely right. forgot that you backed them. So, and I understand independent is, is tough, right? So I don't want to throw shots at anybody, but there's got to be an expectation within at least a couple months of you purchasing something, you would receive that and to get it like a year later. There's things I still haven't got that I purchased a year ago. Oh, and sure. If I'll ever get them. To be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the worry, you know. Um, I mean, with Eric, you know, he made sure it was capitalized from the beginning, yeah, uh, so that he had the money to continue on, yeah. But you know, guys, like, I mean, you know, Graham Nolan is like a one man show, yeah. So he'll do, he'll start the project and then crowdfund it mm. to finish it. Uh -huh. But it's Graham Nolan. If he yeah. says it's going to be there, it's going to be there. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be there by your birthday. It's going to be there by your birthday. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, but he has to do that just for financial reasons. Um, yeah. you know, um, uh, Richard Meyer, your boy Zach, same thing. You know, we're, we we try to get most of it done before we do the crowdfunding. You mm -hmm. know, because we, uh, people don't want to wait forever. I don't want to wait forever yeah. for it to be in people's hands. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So would you consider the the Ripperverse kind of your new home? Is this something that you plan on doing for a long time or you're just coming in and doing a few and then? Well, it, it's something I'm doing, you know, I mean, it's not everything I'm doing, uh, yeah. but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really fun. I mean, I, I told Eric, I'm here till the wheels come off because, yeah. you know, I keep coming up with ideas and Joe keeps coming up with ideas and then Eric keeps throwing things at us. <laughs> and uh and I, I recently got to meet the Saska sisters and uh somebody told should have told me to strap in before I got on the Zoom call with them because <laughs> whoa are they high energy. Very high energy. Just, the two of them they complete each other's sentences. Yeah. Um and they're just firing ideas and fire and yeah. I mean I was so you know torqued up by the time I got off the Zoom call with them. I I, I was ready to write two years of continuity. I mean <laughs> uh, I thought, man, I, I told Eric, I said, man, I got up my game. Those two, yeah. are, those two are racehorses. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then you're bringing Mike Barron in, my buddy Mike Barron. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, that's like old home week. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, it's just a fun to be part of it and just be part of this new universe where anything can happen. It's not right. like uh, you're, you're going to take over Captain Potato Salad and uh, he can't die and he can't do this, can't do that, you know. Uh, you know, you've got to leave the character as you as you found him, and that's not true in the Ripperverse. We don't have to leave anything the way we found it. So uh, it's that's kind of neat. Yeah, you're almost creating rules as you go, then, huh? If there's rules, yeah, and also what can happen. I mean, there's no, you know, there's there's no uh, isom, you know, vitamin deal. Yeah, <laughs> whatever we want with isom. You know, right, right. I mean, I, I don't know how many people know this, but when they killed Superman, they lost the, the Superman vitamin and Superman peanut butter accounts. I did not know that. Because the company said you killed him. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's not really dead. Yeah, but yeah. the kids don't know that. Yeah. You obviously don't read comic books if you're <laughs> you're ending our deal. Nobody dies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, <laughs> they thought kids don't want peanut butter from a guy who's dead. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy man <laughs> yeah um what, what is your preference i mean you, you've kind of done both right you write novels 
Um, you you write uh, kind of trade form, and then you've done the floppies before, where it's like 26, 30 pages. Do you have a preference between the two from a story writing process? Well, between floppies and trades, I'd rather write the trades. Uh, okay. There was an excitement to writing the floppies when you knew there was an audience. Gotcha. You know, yeah. uh, today, when you don't, you're not sure anybody's ever going to read them. Yeah. Um, it's not that exciting. Um, so, so writing a, a graphic novel, a good chunky graphic novel, uh, yeah. and like I said, it's like writing a feature film. Yeah. And you don't, you're, you're not as concerned with cliffhangers, although I throw plenty of cliffhangers in the story anyway. But you're yeah. not worried about formatting where they take place right. in the story. Um, you can do, a, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's more interesting, more engaging, long form. And there's no recap. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all one story. And <laughs> as far as comics versus prose. It's yeah. comics all day long. They're in my DNA. I, I only write prose novels because for a period I wasn't getting a lot of comics work. Yeah. And then the prose novels were successful. Yeah. So, and, and I kind of got into writing prose, but um, my preference is still comics. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't get into comics to write anything else but comics. I didn't get into comics thinking, oh, and then I'll become a screenwriter. Yeah. Like, I just, I, I'm, I'm getting into comics because I want to write comics for the rest of my life. David Mamet said it's like being a criminal. You know, once you get into this game, you're in it for life. Yeah. You're know, like, I'm going to rob banks for a while and then work at McDonald's. Yeah. I don't think that's happening. No. There's some really cool uh, villains in Alpha Core. Is there one that is your favorite? I, I assume you and Joe um, created these villains um, for the Ripperverse. Yeah. Well, the two main villains, Lillian and Michael, they, yeah. they were like, Eric said, I need them to be part of this because okay. it, it's part of building them up for the basically for the Saska sisters to go crazy with. Yeah. But he, wanted them, he wanted them in the story to show that they were, you know, behind the scenes, the puppeteers. And then he said, the, re the rest of the characters go nuts. And uh, I really like the um, the Billy Bob character. Yeah, Billy Bob is that's an awesome character. Yeah. <laughs> Just this guy, dude in overalls. This is yep. dude, him and his grandmother, you know. Uh, <laughs> she wakes kind of, up. <laughs> I, I I just like the fact that it starts out funny and then it gets real serious because this yeah. guy is super dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of a a little bit of a loser, right? He's living with his yeah. grandmother in a trailer park. And she has to wake him up in the morning, and <laughs> and then he can be quite vicious, though. I mean, his his power set is incredible. Yeah, and then and then the Galvin character, you know, getting ticked off because they came to arrest his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, he was another scary guy. This is kind of—I mean, somebody in reviews said that the 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 ancillary villains were kind of one-dimensional. I was like, I don't see it that way because both of them were funny and I vicious, obviously psychotic and ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought they were interesting characters. I mean, you kind of related to both of them, yeah. Uh, in a way, maybe this guy didn't recognize, but uh, but yeah, I, Galvin's just frightening because he's just willing to kill people, yeah. you know, for anybody. For yeah. Any of them, so. yeah. Now, I as far as because so the Ripperverse or what they're doing with ISOM Alpha Core is it Yari? I always forget how to. Uh, uh, Yaira. Yaira. You have Yaira. You have Gooding coming up after that. It's all one world. So, are you all coming together every so often to kind of talk about where those connections are made, so it does remain one world? Well, it's kind of all going through Eric at this point, but we did okay. have sort of, like I said, I got to meet the Saska sisters yeah. and we talked for like an hour and a half with Eric about our understanding. Yeah. But the general understanding of the universe is this is a blue sky superhero universe. 
there's room for optimism. There's okay. room for true heroics. Yeah. You know, we're not going dark and gritty. We'll, we'll go scary and suspenseful. Right. But we're not going to that dark place that so many comics go to. Our our heroes do not have feet of clay. Yeah. You know, they may have flaws. They may not always do the right thing. They may make some stupid decisions. Yeah. But hey, that's Spider Man. You know, yeah. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we're kind of building as we go along. Like I said, I'm involved in a project now that kind of lays the groundwork for a lot of what we're seeing now. It kind of goes back to some of the continuity points right. versus past to explain why things are the way they are. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, working with Erica, but basically it's like trial and error. I said, look, I'm just going to write. And when I get it wrong, you tell me and I'll make the correction. Yeah. You know, because a lot of this is still in Eric's head. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times he's like, well, that was in my head different, but I like what you did. Uh -huh. So we're going to stay with that. And then the fun of it, of course, is creating like, you know, street names, yeah. uh, businesses, yeah, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, I created a, um, uh, in my next project with Joe Bennett, I created this, this, uh, this uh, seafood based fast food chain <laughs> called Boy Howdy. And Boy is spelled B U O Y. And I made a logo for it and everything, you know, like a fresh sailor's hat. And, uh, and, and, you know, they loved it. And I said, man, I want t shirts. I yeah. want t shirts with this logo <laughs> on it down the pipe. Uh, so it's stuff like that that really, really, really makes this a lot of fun. A lot of the same stuff I did in, in the Batman universe, you know, yeah. creating um lasting landmarks and, and things like that yeah maybe that'll be the next bubba gump seriously yeah i mean i i, I want a lot of that and yeah. then of course you know the saskas saw it got all worked up they want to they want to play too so yeah yeah <laughs> that's so cool man well outside of uh alpha core and everything you're doing at the ripper verse you want to kind of share uh, some of the other things that people could follow you um and what you're working on i know your your podcast has exploded you're you're getting in getting close to ten thousand, i think uh followers there congratulations but Thank yeah I mean, that's a great podcast i i watched quite a few of those so yeah if you're not familiar it's it, i got this little show every wednesday it's ask chuck dixon and Anybody can, uh, you know, email me with questions and I'll answer them yeah. sometimes uh, way too brutally candidly. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, it depends yeah. on what mood I'm in. Yeah. And yeah. Then, uh, the other thing I'm working on, I, I got a um, over at Arctoons. I've got My Sister Suprema. OK. An ongoing uh, series with Anthony Gonzalez Clark. And uh, we just published the first uh, print version of that. OK. You can, read, you can read the series digitally on Arctoons. You can read it on your phone or whatever device you have yeah and um i got my 12th levon cade novel will be out early next year and there's a a movie in production with jason statham of yeah. levon starts filming in march that is so cool man i i think i watched an interview i don't know who the interview was with but uh slice stallone had called you about yeah. expendables yeah i mean that's got to be pretty cool i don't know if you've talked to him on a regular basis but i mean that's pretty awesome we're, we're in communication we were talking there pretty regularly for a while because he kept every time an expendables movie came up he would call me yeah uh, just to talk and then sometimes just to talk about because i'm not in the business and he yeah. knows i'm never going to tell anybody yeah, uh, yeah he feels free to like call and tell me stuff like insider stuff um but um yeah i mean and and we did comic projects together. We have a 
uh, a Rambo graphic novel coming out soon. From, from I just purchased Rambo. it on Indiegogo. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And I, man, I just saw the um, the the lettered version, the final lettered version, like two days ago. Nice. Man, it's a beautiful book. It is a beautiful <laughs> book. And uh, but you know, projects like that. So yeah, Sly's a big comic book guy. He loves. Yeah. Comics. But I uh, yeah, we, we we get along. We we get along good. So yeah. I mean, he's wanted to do Levon for years, but the yeah. timing came right, and uh, you know, he wrote the screenplay for this. And then I got I got David Ayers. They got David Ayers direct. Like I got him. They got David <laughs> Ayers directing. And somebody said, "Are you going to be on set, like, to help with writing?" Yeah, because he got two Academy Award-winning writers working on this movie. <laughs> I, I don't think they need me. Yeah, it would still be fun to be there, though. I mean, but you I don't know how much fun. It sounds boring. <laughs> Does it? Okay, <laughs> it'd be know. nice to meet everybody, but I don't yeah, know if yeah. I want to sit there all day watching, you know, take thirty-nine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's true. That'd be it's in front of like a giant green screen or something, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last guy you want on set is the writer they're adapting the stuff from. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chuck, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. Um, hope we could do this again sometime, but uh, really appreciate everything you've done for comics. As a comic book fan, uh, born in the 70s, grew up through the 80s and obviously the 90s. Um, yeah, you've been a big part of my comic book reading life. So I appreciate that. And congratulations on all the success with Alpha Core and everything else that's going on. Well, thank you. I had a good time. We'll have to do this again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I'll make sure I put all the links below on your new uh, Rambo comic book so that if I because I think people could still um, get, get over yeah, there. You can still get it. Yep. And then obviously, I mean, well, I'll put the link for uh, Ripperverse as well if you haven't picked it up. Um, although <laughs> with the amount of units that have been moved, I feel like everybody's pretty much picked it up. So congratulations on that as well. I'll send you a link for my sister Suprema too. So. That'd be great. I would appreciate that. I'll make sure that's under there as well. Okay, cool. Thank All you. right. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you and, uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. 